people in this sanctuary, many people you know who can testify of the progressiveness of sin, who it began with something that you just started to walk along with, and then all of a sudden you start getting comfortable there, and then before you know it, you're camped out. You got a seat at the table always waiting for you. So if you've never done that, be aware. If you have done that, then you have the testimony. You understand. You understand how quickly we can get out of order. It's not hard to find videos of people falling on ice. It often starts with a little wobble and then boom, they're on the ground. As hilarious as these videos may be, the reality of falling isn't so funny, especially when it comes to your walk with the Lord. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that falling into sin is a slippery slope. You'll learn that there's a progressiveness to it that usually begins small, but snowballs into something much bigger. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 1 as he continues his message, Walk This Way. In verse 15, look at what it says. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. Wow. God blessed humanity with vocation with work to do. Now, I know it's Sunday, and tomorrow morning your alarms are going to go off, and you're going to say, ah, it's Monday. But maybe we should say, Lord, thank you for a Monday, because God created vocation as a blessing to humanity. He created it as a blessing. He didn't say, listen, I'm going to put you in the garden, and we want you to do nothing. And I'm going to give you this little branch that looks like a remote control so you can click, 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 click all day long. As much fun as that may be from time to time, God gave us vocation as a blessing. Not only that, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Notice that God blessed mankind with liberty. See, it's interesting. Most times when people talk about God, they say, oh, God's such a lame-o. He's so lame. I mean, you can't do this. You can't do that. Notice In verses 16 and 17, God gives them liberty and gives them one prohibition. Just don't eat of that tree. Everything else you can have. And and isn't that true? God's not lame. God's given us great liberty, but he has given us some prohibitions. Why? Because God loves us enough that we don't hurt ourselves. That's real love. Real love says, look, you can do that, but that's going to hurt you. So I want you to stay away from that. But God blessed humanity with liberty. And as People living in America in the 21st century, we're blessed by the liberty that we have. It's a great thing. It's a great thing that we get to do these things that we desire to do. Notice in verses 18 to 24, he goes on. He says, it's not good that man be alone. So what does he do? He creates Eve. Why? Because God blessed humanity with companionship, with a spouse with a community of people to have relationship with. We call a family of faith, a community of believers, we call that a church. People to grow with. Now listen, I realize that church is kind of funky. Why? Because we're all kind of funky. 
And when you get a lot of funky people together, what happens? Funk happens. But there's something gloriously messy about people together. It's beautiful and kind of strange. Weird things happen. Some of us can be really weird at times. And me at the, at the top of that list. But something beautiful happens when we grow in community, in relationship. And you're not going to get that on Facebook, as much as I'm a fan of it. You're not going to get that on Twitter, as much as I'm a fan of it. Something happens when you grow with people, when you relate with them, when you get to know them, when they see you in your good times and your bad times. So don't neglect the assembling of ourselves together. God blessed us with community and companionship. It's a blessing. And not only that, I'm going to end here in this section, verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Notice that. God blessed humanity with innocence. They had no clothes on, but they were unashamed. Now, you know the story that in Genesis chapter 3, with the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, things get a little messy, don't they? Because all these things that God created for good end up becoming warped. But don't forget that, that God created your life and my life for blessing. For blessing. It's where it starts. Blessed is the man. Now go back to Psalm 1. Because we're going to make it past the first four words, I promise. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Brothers and sisters, we need to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. We need to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. Now, I want to show you where I get this from. Because I'm asking you, because we're talking about walk this way. We need to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. Notice how these verbs Move, who walks in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Walk, stand, sit. Do you see that? This is how sin, now what is sin? We always talk about it, it means missing the mark. It's living in rebellion against God. It begins by walking in the ways. At some point, we get comfortable and we stand, and then we make our home there. Sin is progressive. How do I know? Because the very first time you do something that you know you ought not to do, if you believe in Jesus, you are convicted. You feel horrible about it. But then when you return to it a second time, you still feel bad, but not as bad. Third time, you feel bad, but not as bad. And at some point, you don't feel bad at all. It's just who you are, right? Anybody who is honest with themselves, who've done these type of things, that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. It begins and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is not who I'm supposed to be. But then you do it a little more and a little more. And sin, like leprosy, that is a type of sin in the Bible, it begins to deaden our nerves. We begin sensitive to it, and we end up desensitized to what it is. And we all know what this experience is because we all struggle with sin. So we have to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. We have to be open and sensitive to let the Holy Spirit, when he convicts us, to run away like Joseph, 
to like Paul told Timothy, flee youthful lusts. Why? Because when you're running for your life, you are not taking a leisurely jog. You run with all your might as fast as you can for as long as you can. Man, we have to walk away from the progressiveness of sin. There is a progression there. It begins by walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, think about what it's saying. It begins with taking the advice of. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe that the Bible tells us everything about everything. The Bible is not going to tell you how to make a great shrimp scampi. Okay? So the Bible doesn't tell us everything about everything, but it tells us everything that we need to know about the most important things. So I'm not saying, because you could read that, well, I should never take counsel from someone who is ungodly. What I'm saying is you need to learn, but you need to bounce everything back off of the Scripture. Like, let me give you an example. When I was in Marin County, Marin County is one of the wealthiest counties in the country. The average median income where I moved up here from was uh, two and a half times the national average. So people are extraordinarily wealthy there. And so it's very common, you'll be talking to someone, I remember talking to a guy in the church, and he decided he needed to raise his financial intelligence. So he started reading, and he came to me, and he was complaining about his money troubles. He'd never had them before. And I said, well, what's changed? He said, well, I was reading in this book, and it says that the key to to financial well-being is to pay yourself first. So I took my tithe, and I started to save my tithe. When he used to give, he never had money troubles. Now that he's taking it and saving it for himself, he's having money troubles. He's like, I don't get it. I'm like, well, listen, what does the Bible say about your finances? Who, who should you pay first? The Lord. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes the world's advice lines up with Scripture, or the Scripture doesn't speak either way. But when the world's advice, when ungodly advice goes against Scripture, you need to forsake the world's advice and you need to grab hold of God's advice. So be careful who you take advice from. Be careful who you allow to speak into your life, who you act on without reflection. It's important. Because as you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, at some point, you walk long enough, you're going to want to hang out there. You're going to want to stand in the path of sinners, in the way of sinners. Now, don't get me wrong. We do not want to be isolationists. We do not want to be sectarian. Why? Because God has given us the treasure and earthen vessels. And if we are not out amongst people sharing our faith, then the gospel doesn't get anywhere. And God saved us to usher us into a community that would reproduce itself in the lives of other people. But the key is, is that we do not want to start getting ourselves comfortable in areas that we ought not to be comfortable So as you walk, at some point you stand, and then ultimately it comes to its fulfillment in sitting in the seat of the scornful. Some of your Bibles say scoffers. And in a lot of ways, that is the culmination of all of this because a scoffer, it really comes down to adopting the most fatal attitudes of those who do not believe in Christ. Because a scoffer is someone who is scornful, someone who is scoffing, laughing at, poking fun at the things of God. Somebody who is verbally vindictive to God's ways. Now listen, I think we should be friends with scoffers. I just don't think we should pull up a chair and live there. 
So if someone is a scoffer, you should love them even more. You should pray for them. I'm grateful that my friends did that for me when I was a scoffer. And I was a mighty good one at that. I could give a Christian a good hard time. In a lot of ways, I was like the Apostle Paul. Although I wish I was a lot more like the Apostle Paul now. But the Apostle Paul, he was really, really upset with people who followed Christ. And I had someone said, I'm a Christian, I'd get all over them. I'm grateful that I had godly people who bared with me, who loved me, who challenged me that I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. But the key is, is that we have to be careful to not allow sin to progress in our lives. And there are many people in this sanctuary, many people you know, who can testify of the progressiveness of sin, who it began with something that you just started to walk along with, and then all of a sudden you start getting comfortable there, and then before you know it, you're camped out. you got a seat at the table always waiting for you. So if you've never done that, be aware. If you have done that, then you have the testimony. You understand. You understand how quickly we can get out of order In another section of wisdom literature, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 14 and 19, says almost the same thing. Listen to what it says. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make somebody fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just It's like a shining sun that shines even brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Notice the exhortation. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. We need to do that with the ways of sin. Because it will progress in our lives. So the blessed man who's walking in God's will, does not do those things. But notice in verse 2 and verse 3, we see what he does do. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Brothers and sisters, we walk in fruitfulness by delighting and meditating on God's word. We walk in fruitfulness by delighting and meditating on God's word. It's very simple. Instead of walking and standing and sitting, his delight is in the law of the Lord. I love that. Delight expresses what makes the man or woman of God happy. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, what I love about this is he's talking about the law of Moses. When the psalm was written, they didn't have the gospels, the epistles of Paul and Peter, the book of Acts. But the person of God delights in God's word. It makes them happy. It's the new year. I hope he started a new Bible reading plan for the year. Unless you started your last one in the middle of the year and you're still working it over. It was so cool. We were sitting at our pastors. We get together every two weeks. We have a lunch and we were talking about things we're reading. And, and I love it. Judith, who's our pastor of women here at Crossroads. She's so cool. She's like, yeah, I read through the Bible three times last year. And a bunch of us guy pastors were just like, all right. 
And she's been doing this for years. She's going to kill me for stealing her reward. She wasn't, we asked her, she was telling, but see, that's what a person of God does. They delight in God's word. They're like, Lord, I want to, I want to suck the marrow out of this book. I want to understand what's in there. That's why we teach the Bible on Sundays, on Wednesdays. Any one of our ministries, the Bible gets cracked. Why? Because we know that blessedness, happiness, joy comes from us delighting in the things of God. And listen, there is no excuse. There used to be an excuse, well, I don't really read. I don't do reading comprehension very well. And then the iPod was invented. And you're like, well, it used to be, oh, I just don't understand the King James Bible. Listen, there's like 95,000 other translations now. They're like, oh, I really don't like James Earl Jones's voice. It's too deep. Well, catch Max McLean. Beautiful, that silver tongue. He reads God's word. I feel the glory of the Lord descending. You're like, well, I can't understand it. Well, there's like 9,000 people explaining the Bible. You're like, I can't afford it. We'll buy you one. Seriously, there's no excuse. We have access to more of the Bible, more information of the Bible. And it breaks my heart that God's people know stock quotes and sports stats more than they know the addresses of God's holy word. Now, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. When you delight in something, you partake in it, you enjoy it. You keep going back for more because it makes you happy. And my pastor, he got a Bible from his father before he was saved. And the inside it said, this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. That's powerful. I wrote, when, I got, when my son was born, I got him a Bible. I wrote that in the inside cover. Because it's true. It's true. Listen, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm judging. I'm, I'm walking this walk with you guys. But, but I don't need to watch four hours of of. CSI reruns. I can watch two and spend two in God's word. And I still got my CSI and I got God's word in me. You know, do you really want to watch the commercials in the football playoff games? You can just mute those babies and read the Bible out loud. It's way more fun. I mean, it's not hard. It's really not. The person who's happy delights in God's law. Not only that, he meditates upon it. This word meditate, it comes from the Hebrew, which means to mutter or to read in an undertone. Now, you have to remember, back in the day, they didn't have little handy-dandy um, Gideon's pocket New Testaments that you just stick in your back pocket. I've sat on a lot of those for a long time. You know what I mean? They're just literally pulling out Psalms or, or the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. You ever see those little babies? Oh, they're good, man. The Gideon's... They rock. They're giving out Bibles. You know, those things are cool. You stick it in your pocket. Back in the day, it was all these big scrolls. And they weren't letting you walk around Jerusalem with those babies. Because people were handwriting them. They were handwriting them. So people, in order to learn God's word, had to memorize it. And you would see people walking around muttering to themselves, murmuring the scriptures. This speaks of scripture memorization. Something happens when you memorize it, you internalize it, then you can start walking around and you can, you can start saying, oh, you know, and how often do we need to do that? Internalize scripture, memorize scripture that when something comes up, instead of acting the way you want to act, you start preaching to yourself with the Bible. One pastor called the Bible fighter verses because it fights against all my garbage. 
How many times, like the psalmist, you need to say, you're, you're kind of upset. You're, Lord, why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God and the beauty of his countenance. How often do we need to say that to ourselves when we're at our job and something goes wrong? Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Hope in the Lord. When something bad happens, we're like, oh no, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. See, that's what happens when you memorize scripture. You start walking around and you start muttering it to yourself. And people may think you're a little weird, but people mutter to themselves anyway. So at least we're muttering to ourselves, going over. The idea of meditating means like to chew on it so much to get out all the nutrients out of it. People always say, well, Pastor, how do you memorize scripture? This is what I did. Because I was old school. This was before all these, you know, cool uh, iPhone apps and stuff. I just took an index card. And I wrote one scripture on one side. I put one scripture on the other side with the address. And I stuck them in my pocket. And when I'm just standing around, which you'd be surprised how often you actually just do that, you pull it out and read it. And you read it. You put it back in your pocket. And next time you find yourself standing around, you just reach in your pocket, you pull it out. And before you knew it, those two scriptures were memorized. And then I put two more. And then I started to realize I'm wasting space. And I found that I could put, with my chicken scratch handwriting, about four scriptures on each side of my index card. And I would walk around with those things in my pocket until they either forgot them and they got washed, or they just kind of shriveled up into nothing. I just wrote another one. And over time, all of a sudden, you have all these scriptures that you know. Why? Because repetition is the great teacher. See, God blessed us, wants us to be fruitful, and it happens by us delighting in his word and meditating on it day and night. This reminds me of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Wow. By meditating, delighting in the law of the Lord. Now notice what it says in verse 3 because we get a, a word picture here. He shall be like. That's a word picture. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give us an example. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. I like that. The man or the woman who delights and meditates and gets nourishment from God's word is like a tree whose spiritual root system is the word of God planted by a river there's abundant water and notice what it says brings forth fruit in its season Jesus is real thanks for listening in today as Pastor Daniel continued this study of Psalm 1 you learned that though God asks you to reach out to those who don't know him he also cautioned you to be careful to not let their negative attitudes toward God sink into your own heart. Pastor Daniel encouraged you to delight in God's Word and to read it regularly, saying that your life will be transformed as you learn more about who God is and who He created you to be. Hey everybody, I want to invite you to join me in reaching people with the message that Jesus is real. Would you pray about partnering with us in the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio? Your support in this way helps us to keep sharing God's word and helps us reach more and more people. 
thank you for considering partnering. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. I'd love for you to be part of the Crossroads Community Church family, but I understand some of our listeners can't make it to the actual church building. If that's you, come join us online. We live stream our Sunday morning services at CrossroadsChurch.net. So grab a cup of coffee and join us wherever you are for our time of worship and teaching. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel delves into the issue of judgment. Can a loving God judge people? You'll see that God wouldn't be loving humanity if he didn't make clear boundaries for people. Pastor Daniel will share that God wants you to know him intimately, to be so close to him that you know what he thinks and how he feels about everything. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, The Top Ten. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.